Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean. On today's episode, I was thrilled to have author Megan Wagner Lloyd and illustrator Michelle Mee on the podcast to discuss their book, Allergic. It is a fantastic book book about this girl, Maggie, who all she really wants is a puppy. And it turns out she is allergic to animals with fur and feathers. And that's just the beginning. There's so much more to it than that. And I know that you're going to enjoy it. I had an absolute delightful time recording this episode with both Megan, Megan and Michelle. And I know you're going to enjoy it. Uh, I do want to also let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. If this is your first time to the Detox Podcast, welcome Thank you so much for choosing to detox from your day by listening to this episode. If you have listened to the Detox Podcast before, welcome back. Thank you for stopping by and for helping to contribute to make a more inclusive world. If you like this episode and you like the show, there's a couple ways to help us out. Make sure that you are subscribing to the show or following the show, depending on your podcast platform of choice, that you've rated the podcast, you've reviewed the podcast, and that you've shared the podcast with a friend who you think would enjoy it. Thank you so much. It really helps us out. Every little bit helps. Um, So my conversation with both Megan and Michelle will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family. Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm super excited to welcome author Megan Wagner Lloyd and illustrator Michelle Me to the podcast. We're talking about allergic. I'm very excited. Uh, Megan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah. How about you? I'm doing well. Also, Michelle, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Good. I'm very excited to dig in. Y'all have put together a fantastic book. I know we were talking about it a little bit before we got started, but I'm excited to give my initial thoughts 
my reread thoughts and perhaps my third read thoughts as well, because this is a book that has a unique place in my heart. So I'm very excited to dig into that. I do want to level set here at the detox podcast. We're about asking people to detox from the world around them, get a window into how other people live their lives and then go make a more inclusive world. So in the spirit of wanting to level set and detox, I want to ask you both, uh, Michelle, I'll start with you. What are you currently detoxing from? Ooh, I think currently I am detoxing from, um, as weird as this is going to sound, activism work. (laughs) Um, I've been kind of on overdrive for the past um, couple years. I've been working with an artist impact group um, that it really helps with, um, you know, underserved communities and fighting for, you know, um, equity and housing. And then compounded with the past, you know, year and plus talking about, um, you know, racial equity and things like that. So I found that in the past few months, I've needed to step away from the phone, step away from the causes as wonderful as they are, and then pick back up later. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I can, I completely understand the the need to kind of take a breather and recharge yourself. So that way you're ready to go for the next, the next important body of work that's yet to come. And there's, there's so much going on. I think there's just you know, recently going on with a lot of AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander support and solidarity that we want to share that stems from a lot of injustices going on over the last year and longer, honestly. And, and so it, it can, I feel like every single time we start thinking about how much progress we may have made in one specific area, it highlights all of the work we still have to do in so many other areas of not just our country, but at the world at large. So yes, thank you definitely. for all that you're doing. And we can all do more for sure. Um, Megan, what are you currently detoxing from? Um, I'm trying to um, like read the news in a different way, like still stay informed, but not necessarily like minute by minute. Right. <laughs> um, and if there's uh, like headlines that I feel like are um, like not phrased in a healthy way or are kind of like victim blaming, then I'm trying to read alternative stories and not mm. like give them the click. Or if they're about people that I don't think deserve any more attention, <laughs> then I will like, um, I feel like before maybe my curiosity would um make me keep reading but I I purposely know that like I know that the clicks are you know they're they know who is clicking and what stories draw attention and so I've been trying to proactively avoid um giving that attention to things where I feel like no it's not healthy that they phrased it that way or that they're giving attention in that way and try to kind of use my (laughs) uh, reward the things where I feel like they are um, doing it in a better way, if that makes sense. It's well, that's <laughs> yeah. well worded because it's so, I think it's so easy. I'm super guilty of it where I'll be scrolling my phone and I will click without even consciously making the decision. And then before I know it, I'm on a uh, ill-reputable spot, not recognizing that was where the article was taking me. So making that conscious decision to recognize the source and what are they trying to get out of me? Is it just a click? Can I get this news from somewhere else? Can I understand what it is going on? I will say, I heard an NPR interview with somebody talking about reframing the news with a new presidential, um, a new a new presidential uh, 
term. Yeah, that's what when Biden took office. And they said the news had been for the last four years framed around what what was happening on Twitter. And they wouldn't he said the newsroom got to a point where we weren't even doing anything. We were just waiting. And he said, so I'm hoping this allows us to recalibrate and get back to jur real journalistic work that we have escaped from. And it was a sobering reality to recognize that that's, that's where that, that is how we've become. We're like, Oh, I wonder what's going to happen today as opposed to actually going about our lives and, and trying to make good in the world. So it's very, very much needed for sure. Um, and that brings us actually to uh, the talk about being our authentic selves and empowering ourselves brings us to today's sponsor of the show, which is Snuffy. Snuffy's a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y.co. The owner and operator of Snuffy is Nick Silvestri. He's a dear, dear friend of the show. He designed the Detox podcast logos. So if you like it, you want to go support him, go check it out. Snuffy.co. Okay. Let's dig into allergic. Um, so I will uh, just level set. I so I used to be allergic to dogs, and this book is about a girl that's allergic to well, lots of animals, but dogs, right? And so I picked up the book and was like, "Oh my god, this is me when I was thirteen. This is like like this is I I will I have to tell the story. So this is what was so weird to me and. And I want to dig into the, the origins of the story and how you two got connected on this project. So we're going to dig into that. But I had a dog growing up. And then that dog uh, passed away when I was around six or seven. And then we didn't have a dog because um, that was my mom's dog. And she wanted time to grieve. And we totally understood that. Then my brother asked for a dog. And I was around uh, around 13. So about six years had passed. And he asked if we could get one. And he said, sure. Day one, I looked like the girl on this book. I know listeners Aww. can't hear it, but I looked <laughs> just terrible. like her. Just like her, sneezing up a storm, hives everywhere. It was awful. And so we were like, what is it? Because we didn't think it was a dog because we had had a dog. And we were like, well, it can't possibly be a dog. So we went to the allergist. And the allergist is like, you know, let's do that. Let's do the test. And it was like dog overwhelming. And so we were like, what are our options? And so the allergist said, well, you can take shots or you can get rid of the dog. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting rid of the dog. That's ludicrous. I will, I will isolate myself, you know, and I'm a super headstrong teenager. And so I, did, I was on shots from 13 until 19. So right after the first year of college is when I stopped. But I mean, I was building up. Now, I was not as bad, I would say, as the girl in the story. I looked at it initially, but I got better. And I have not taken them now, but I have no longer have the allergies to pets or, or cats or dogs. So I know some people need to continue to stay on them. And then some people are able to build up enough of an immunity that it doesn't bother them as much. And so I was very fortunate in that space. But it was something that uh, we could have been the family in the story. So I want to I want to pause and Megan, since you wrote the story, I'm curious, what was your, uh, how did you come to this project initially? What, what were, how did you, what's the genesis of it? Yeah. So I definitely had the idea because I'm allergic to animals with fur feathers <laughs> and <laughs> I was when I was little too. And yeah, some people really do grow out of it. Even if they didn't get shots, like it really just depends on the person. Some people have a lot right. more allergies when they're little and then they kind of grow out of them. But for me, it was always just like getting worse. <laughs> So I had no luck going out of them, but, um, yeah, that's where the idea came from. And just, um, well, I started visiting schools, um, to share my picture books. Cause I have written four picture books before this. And 
I would do like a little Q&A at the beginning um, to just kind of introduce myself and break the ice. And I noticed like in tons of books, like in the back, it would be, you know, like they live in, you know, New York with their pet pig. And (laughs) I always noticed that. So I was like, well, I'll ask the, you know, kids to guess like what pet I have. And then I, you know, big surprise reveal, no pets because I'm allergic to animals. And they would always be like, oh my goodness, like so stunned. And then I'd be like, does anyone else have allergies? allergies and like all these hands would go up, you know, kids allergic to all kinds of things. Um, and so between that and then just getting really obsessed with graphic novels, then I, I can't really remember like exactly the day it happened. I was like, maybe this would be a good idea for a graphic novel. Um, kids seem really interested in this. And I think seeing books like, um, like smile by Randa Telgemeier, like showed me that you could, um, create a story centered around um, something that before, I don't know if I viewed it as like a large enough life story or a large enough problem to craft a story around, Um, even though it does cause all kinds of um, repercussions in your life. But um, so that kind of gave me permission, I feel like, to seeing those types of graphic novels. I was like, oh, maybe this would be an interesting story for kids. So that's where it started. I love that. You know, it's, I think it's perfect having it as a graphic novel because it, it really hammers the point home of, of the allergies and the reactions and the, the constant um, compounding effects of being around the animal and what it does to you physically, mm-hmm. as well as like the, the, the reaction with your family has to make accommodations or your school has to make accommodations, whichever situation. So Michelle, how did you get, uh, tied to allergic and what drew you into the project initially? So the origin stories of how we came together is one of my favorite stories. Uh, We basically, I call it our meet cute almost, (laughs) where I I was um, fresh out of college and I just applied for this this scholarship and it was the and the winner won entry into a conference the society of children's book writer and illustrator conference and uh it's in la you get to meet a ton of people and so i didn't really know what to expect so i went in there i was clutching my little portfolio and then i met joan uh, megan's agent and we hit it off and joan was like i have this project i would love to put you on to it and I wasn't too sure because I'd never worked on anything that big before. But Joan was like, let me just email you the manuscript, the first few chapters. Just think about it. We'll talk when you get back to Boston. So on the plane ride home from L.A. to Boston, I opened up the file. I read it. And by the time the plane landed, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. And so we initially like synced up that way. And it was just like friends ever since. <laughs> I love that. That is super awesome. I want to like it, the art is so I mean, I was talking about before we went live, like my daughter was drawn to it and she was flipping through it and she was like, I want to see this. Dad, you always get sent the coolest books. Like, let me look <laughs> through this. Let me let me do this. And so she's going to start reading it tomorrow. I, I had her delay a day because I needed to use it as reference for the show. But it it's great. And it does. I mean, that's the thing I love about the about graphic novels and situation is like, I think the art draws you in and hooks you and then you start getting dug into the story and you're like this story has such fantastic value and then they're 
flowing one into the other. The art is complementing the words, the words complementing the art. And it, yeah. it, it's like a fine wine. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's so great. I, I love it. I want to know a little bit, Michelle, as we're talking about art, talk to me about what drew, what drew, what drew you to Drew, right? No, what, <laughs> what, what got you started in doing art? as you were growing up, which led you to the opportunity to get on to allergic? Uh, I think like most kids, I just always loved drawing. And at some point, I think kids kind of drop off from drawing because they all of a sudden get self-conscious about it. And they think, oh, the, like what I'm doing is either good or bad. And luckily I had a, a lot of um, really great teachers that kind of ushered me into like keep going and um, really supported me growing up. So I felt comfortable in pushing and keeping on drawing. And I always wanted to do it, but I wasn't too sure if I could do it professionally. And so it was a lot of like growing and trying different things, being a designer, trying to have art orbit around my life until finally I was like, you know what? I've spent so long avoiding this thing that I really want to do. So why not just try committing to it 100%? And that involves going back to school later in life and making a stronger commitment to making art. And that's where we ultimately ended up. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Megan, since we're on the subject of, of origin stories, if you will, walk me through your background as an author. Yeah, so I was definitely just a huge bookworm as a kid, um, just one of those really quiet, shy kids who just always had my nose in a book and <laughs> loved writing. I, Michelle has heard this story, but I, um, I like, story. <laughs> wrote in my diary, my Little Mermaid diary when I was eight, that I wanted to be a writer of children's books when I grew up. Um, so I, I'm kind of surprised that I wrote that and that that just stayed a through line. Um, I thought of a couple of different things along the way, but really I just had a kind of single-minded focus through the years. Um, so yeah, I just kept writing. I wrote a lot of um, like failed novels, um, like, I don't know, eight or 10 or something mm -hmm. and for about a decade. And then I started writing picture books. Um, I was in like a writing group. I was writing picture book manuscripts because I started writing them because we were in like a weekly group, but I got really tired of bringing in like one chapter of a novel at a time because mm. I started to, I was learning, I was slowly figuring things out with novels and I was like, it just works better to get like feedback on the whole thing at once. Sure. But I still wanted to participate in my group. So I would bring in, uh, so I was like, I'll try doing some picture books because that's like something we can just read in one sitting. And then I was like, wow, people like, like my picture books way more than all these novels I've been trying forever. I was like, maybe I could um, like still keep working on the novels in the background, but like try to get something rolling with picture books. Um, and that really worked out. I was able to publish four picture books, but then I guess I just always, um, I'm kind of restless and I'm like, okay, what's like another thing I can be doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so 
It just, um, so then I was just like, wow, I go to the library and there's like two graphic novels left on the shelves and like, there's lots of picture books and other books still there, but kids are just like descending on the graphic novel shelves and they're just like stripped bare. And so that really like, um, made me so curious about them. I didn't really, you know, read them growing up because there, there weren't, you know, the kids ones, especially there were some adult ones, but um, or at least not ones that I was exposed to. Um, but then, yeah, I just got more and more into reading them too. And was like, oh, I really want to figure out how to write one of these. So that took me about a year to just like figure out how I was going to write one in general. And then got to the point where I was starting allergic and was so lucky to be able to team up with Michelle. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right though. Like I remember, I remember growing up in the graphic novels that I saw, um, that were not Marvel or DC, that were mm-hmm. not traditional comic books, the actual graphic novels. I think the only ones that I remember reading regularly were um, The Adventures of Tintin, for sure, yes. and then and then Bone. I remember reading Bone. That was a good one. Yeah, so those are the only two, and 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 now you're seeing such a variety because I think it's it's something that you know as speaking as a as a former kid. I will say it's something that it's easy to gravitate to because of the art, as we talked about. And then you can have topics and subjects in there that affect all of us, but in a way that's relatable to kids, meets them where they are and provides a dialogue, an opportunity to dialogue. I'm thinking specifically about allergic. I knew so many kids that had allergies to pets or foods or something. And I'm in Texas and there's high pollen counts all the time. Lots of seasonal allergies going on, but but no one talked about that except just like, oh, that's so-and-so over there. They can't have peanuts, so we can't have peanut butter. There's so-and-so. Don't invite them over to your house because they don't. They are allergic to dogs or cats or whatever. But nobody talked about, like, what does this mean? How can one live a life that is still full but still mm-hmm. having to navigate this tricky water? Like, nobody talked about it. And I remember when I had to start getting allergy shots, it was very foreign, like a like – a, a concept I had not even considered before. And it was, it was something where I was a little nervous and scary, but if I had had something like this that normalized it for me, then I would be less scared and I'd be like, all right, well, let's do this. Let's, let's get it going. So with that, I want to know what has been some of the, cause the book released earlier this month. So we're recording this at the end of March. You won't hear the episode until April, if you're listening to this or who knows whenever you're listening to this, but since the book has released at the beginning of this month, what has been some of the, the, the positive feedback that you've received that's really stuck with you? Um, Megan, let me start with you on this one. Cause I know right now it's number one new releases in children's disease books on Amazon. So like that's super, super duper dope. So Megan, let's, let's start with you. It's been some of the positive feedback on the book. Yeah, it's been really cool to hear. Like, I didn't anticipate, um, I don't know, I guess I just didn't really think it through. Like, I knew kids were going to connect with it because it's like so many kids have allergies or they know someone with allergies. Like, I knew it was a very relatable topic, but just the kinds of, and I knew kids love graphic novels, but I still, I didn't, I just didn't expect um, some of like the comments just reading through some different reviews, like, oh, like my daughter um, is, you know, 
allergic to different foods and she loves this book so much and she took it to school and did a voluntary presentation on it and like there was one (laughs) I remember on uh, where they like came back and updated the review like later and like update she's read it eight times now <laughs> and like i another one where someone was like they um my daughter cried with joy reading this because oh, she's allergic that. to animals and i was just like oh my goodness um yeah because for me personally i don't feel um when i'm like making a project i can't really come from a place of like oh, I want to change the world or I want to make something that all these kids relate to. I can't like start from that because that would, I really like freeze like, sure. oh, that's like, I can't do that. That's huge. I don't know how to do that. Like, so I really, that's so much pressure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it's just like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to write that. So I just try to start from like, um, yeah, more from memory or personal experience or things like that. And so then yeah, it's still, yeah, even with any of my books on any topic, I'm like, wow, someone read that and related to it. That's so cool. It's like you send out something and I don't know, you never know how things will be received um, when you like put work out into the world. You don't know to what degree anyone will connect with it. And so, yeah, it really does just feel like a gift when there is that like special connection. It, it is so validating when you put something out and someone connects with it in a deeply personal way or in a way you weren't even expecting. And then they tell you how much it meant to them. And you go, wow, I wrote it for this, this purpose or created or drew or did a podcast on this one thing. And you, it made this impact on you. I can see a one for one correlation into how I made a difference in your life. And it is an, I, it's an overwhelming sense of joy and I love it. And it's fantastic. Michelle, how, what has been some of the feedback you've received from the book? I think overwhelmingly, it's just been so wonderful to hear all the personal stories. I don't have uh, allergies. Uh, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say I don't have allergies because I have seasonal allergies, sure. but um, I feel like that's pretty typical and everyone's used to it. But um, I never um, suffered with allergies like Maggie does and like Megan had and still does. So I, um, it was a lot of learning and empathy growing for me as I was working on the project and researching and it opened up my eyes. So what I love to hear is not only kids with allergies finding this book and seeing themselves in the characters, but also kids without that have a new understanding for what this experience is like, because that's such a huge important part of making those kids feel seen and welcomed in their own communities and in their own inner circles. Um, I think one of the most interesting and unexpected one was um, a moment for me personally was I made the first ever for me, my first ever Korean character, and it's Claire, Maggie's best friend. And we were doing a book talk. And one of the side effects of the world now is that they're just everything's digital and everything can be on Zoom. And there was actually a Korean school that was watching and sent in their drawings and loved the, got so excited when they heard that um, Claire was a Korean character. And I, I read all the comments on um, on my couch and I started crying because oh. I, I had never thought that I could reach kids in South Korea. Right. <laughs> so that, that was pretty amazing. You know, we talk about all the time how representation matters and it matters so much when 
we look at what we are putting out for our kids to consume. And so I know that when I had my, my oldest child is a dog is my oldest child, my daughter, she's a girl trying to say all of that all at once. <laughs> yeah. right? When she was young and I was trying to introduce her to books that I grew up on, I recognized, wow, there is a surprisingly surprising to me, I should say surprising lack of representation across the spectrum in all these books. And it made me have to reconsider do I want her to consume books that don't promote the values that I uphold? No. So we had to go back to the well and say like, all right, what are some good books that have great representation for different types of families, different types of kids, different types of situations and across the spectrum. And so I'm very happy with how our bookshelf has filled out. Um, but it took a while. It took a lot longer initially than I, I, I would have liked it to. But I think we're, we're getting better. We're putting out stories like, like Allergic, which are helping to add to that collective. Um, Michelle, as if parents are listening and and they want to, because I I will I will funnel my question here because my daughter loves drawing, absolutely loves it. It's her favorite thing to do right now. And she constantly is like, I'm going to be an artist. Well, she actually says, I am an artist. When I'm older, I will continue to be an artist. And so um, how do we continue to cultivate that love of artistic ability and curiosity as a kid progresses through life? Oh, that's really tough, especially now, I think, with things like social media and everything, like Instagram being so accessible, I've noticed a lot of younger artists now, like ever since Allergic came out, have been reaching out to me and were like, oh, I, I don't know if I'm too old. I don't know if I'm starting late. And they're like 15 years old. And wow. I'm like, what? how is this starting so early? Um, right. They feel like they're behind because they just see the highlight reels of everyone's work and things yeah. like that. So I think comparison is uh, one of the biggest hurdles. And if you can just focus on your own personal growth without, you know, looking in, in the next lane over. Uh, when I was in high school, I was on swim team. And one of the best advice that I ever got was just stay in your lane. Don't look over to the next lane over. You'll get there on your own pace. And I think that's the same with art. And if you can kind of tunnel vision and focus on the things that you care about. If you like drawing um, cute dogs, or if you like drawing houses, if you like drawing like all these different aspects and people and uh, walks of life, then if you just focus on the things that you love, then it'll nurture a much more natural uh, love of the craft. And then all that stuff, the jobs and the resumes and the body of work will build on top of that. That's such great advice because we as humans struggle with imposter syndrome and the comparison mm -hmm. game. And it is yes. so, so real and so hard. And I think there's so many different aspects where I, I remember I taught, so my undergrad degree is in theater and I taught high school theater for a year right out of college. And I remember feeling woefully unprepared, which I was, I was not a great teacher. I was the fun teacher, not a great teacher, um, but I'm no longer teaching. So it's all fine. I would definitely do things differently. But I do remember the year that I was teaching um, one of the more senior tenured theater teachers. I thought she had it together. She was fantastic. She was great. She knew what she was doing. And we were putting stuff together after one of the shows and she said something and I said, wait, you don't know this. I thought you knew everything you see. It. And she's like, look, 
I, I can't tell you how many people are just making it up as they go along. She's like, yes. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm making firm decisions. I'm standing by them. And then I'm going off in the corner and Googling things myself that I don't know and teaching myself and then teaching other people. I'm like, does everybody do this? Does anybody know about this? Is this the big secret? Have we uncovered it? And she's like, no, like everybody's doing that. It's okay. Some people know more than others, but we all feel like everybody next to us knows more than we do. Don't worry. Just breathe. That was yeah. fantastic advice. So right right there with what you're saying. Megan, if kids are wanting to get into or continue their love of writing as they're developing and getting through school, how would you advise parents to help cultivate that love of writing? I would say the biggest thing is actually reading. Um, just reading a lot, reading widely, and also just reading for fun. Um, like I really loved a uh, series like Nancy Drew oh. when I was a kid. And I think that sometimes those can like the series books can get a bad rap because they're pretty repetitive. Um, but I think if you like usually reading will like bring more reading. So right. um, sometimes it might be the same book in a row 60 times or <laughs> sometimes it's reading a series. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing. And actually, that's something I love about graphic novels is that um, it's things aren't really like separated out by genre so much. So it's like, oh, like a kid loves graphic novels. They go to the graphic novel section and they like get fantasy, mystery, realistic fiction. Um, so I think graphic novels can be really awesome for um, just like being widely exposed to a lot of different types of genres. Um, so yeah, that's what I always tell kids with like school visits, like biggest of all is like read for fun and keep reading a lot. And then like after that, then keep writing. And I, <laughs> I would just say like, write. Um, there's just so many different ways to write. So write in the way that's fun for you. I think a lot of times uh, some kids might get burned out by different school assignments that aren't what they like to write. Like maybe they like to write and draw comics, but they're always having to write like nonfiction things at school, right. or maybe they like to write like their own like encyclopedia, but they have to do a like slice of life creative writing assignment at school and they hate doing that. Right. So, you know, sometimes you do just have to buckle down and do the school thing, but that doesn't mean you can't do the fun thing on your own time. Right. <laughs> I think one thing that I learned very recently, honestly, was the ability to take something that I was having to do, let's take work for an example, or in this case, school, because you talked about school, and having to put together, write something that I don't really like to write. This doesn't fill me up in the way that maybe creative writing does. However, taking taking a step back and recognizing, well, I'm still practicing the tools that I would use anyways. I'm just doing something different than what I want to do. And re the whole aspect of reframing the situation is what empowered me to go, oh, I'm not just sitting on the sidelines like collecting dust. I'm still developing the skills and teaching myself new tricks and new lessons. I just have to understand that the purpose of this may be different than I would like, but the end result is still the same. I'm learning and growing. And I can take those learnings back into what I love to do and what fills me up. And I have a clearer, sharper focus for the next project. I love yeah, that. definitely. I'm a big fan of trying to approach life of, with like, like, I'll give that a try. Like, yes. Um, where like, okay, well, I'll try writing in that way, or I'll try reading a book like that. And yeah, I might not like it, but it's okay to invest like 
a little time trying something new. Like when I've given uh, critiques at writing conferences, not something I've done a ton, but a little bit, then often I find that there's like a lot of resistance of um, with like revising. But I, so I'm always like, well, why don't you like save this draft? And then just like, as an experiment, like try doing it a different way. Cause I, and that's kind of what I do with myself. Like I'm not like starting over, but I'll just like give this a try. And then lots of times, like you do like the thing that you were, didn't want to try out. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that. Well, as we're starting to end this part of the, of the show, I want to know, Michelle, let's start with you. Is there, so from allergic, I want to get both of your perspective on, is there one thing that you want people to walk away from before they crack into allergic? I, I just love that phrase, cracking. I used it the other day for like the first time in a while. And people are like, why do you it. like that? And I just love the feeling of like cracking into a new book, like just the spine. <laughs> Anyways, but I digress. Um, is there one, like, what is the one additional thing that we've not covered about the book um, that you want people to walk away from? or you want people to know heading into the book, I should say. Michelle, we'll start with you. Sure. That even though the title is allergic, it is about so much more than allergies. It is about a whole life and a whole world of this one girl and so many other characters in her family and how she maintains those relationships. And I think a lot of books that I really loved growing up was were ones that dove into the emotional aspect. And I think Megan did such a wonderful job writing these emotions and these conversations between the characters that it really drives home uh, a uh, Maggie being a full rounded character that has all her emotions and she yes. expresses them. And I think that's really important for kids. It is. And you know, one of the things that I think it's got to be, I'm trying to think, it's probably my favorite image in the book is towards the end. I don't, I, I started to dig into certain aspects, but I don't want to spoil it for folks that are, that are one experience for the first time. But I will say there's an image towards the end where Maggie is holding um, a, a new addition uh, to the, to the crew. I'll say it that way. Um, and, and she's being very reflective and she is expressing those wide range of emotions in those few frames or pain pains, um, that really, I mean, it made me tear up because it was very powerful and it, and you could see everything. You could see the full journey of the mm -hmm. book reflected in that moment. And it really, it really plays into the aspect of like, Maybe we don't like the situation or the things we're having to do, but they're they're giving us skills and they're teaching us lessons that are helping us learn and grow and make us better prepared for the next situation, whatever that may be. So Megan, what's the one thing that you want folks to know going into allergic? Yeah, well, I agree with what Michelle said. And I also, I think I want kids to know that it's a really entertaining story with yes. lots of silly and goofy moments too. Yes. I think that was really important to me and Michelle that it has some um, like weightier themes or, you know, more complex things that Maggie's working through, but it also is just like threaded with a lot of silliness and like sweet moments as well. So it's just um, a really fun read for kids. I love that. 
This is so great. If you're listening and you go, I got to get this book, go pick up Allergic. Um, is there a specific favorite way you would like, uh, Michelle or Megan, either one of you, you would like folks to get uh, Allergic? I know I referenced Amazon just because I saw it charting, but we want to we wanna definitely support our independent bookstores. So is there a specific favorite method that you two have that you would like folks to pick up their copy of the book? Uh the first one that comes to mind is uh, Green Apple Books. Uh, Megan, do you want to give off another independent bookseller that we had have fun talking with? Yeah. So, well, we haven't talked to them yet, but my uh, my local indie One More Page Books, um, they're I know they're getting some signed book plates, so oh, that perfect. would be a cool one too. <laughs> Excellent. And Megan, please uh, remind me where regional you talked about local your local bookstore to you where yeah you so one more page is in arlington virginia perfect thank you so much uh, i'm near arlington texas i was like oh oh no very, very <laughs> i know different. there's like an arlington massachusetts too <laughs> there, it's is, like, there is there is <laughs> so it could have been a scenario where we were all zooming from arlington but different like that that was like a super geek moment i was just like oh <laughs> that would have been <laughs> Um, I did have to share this funny anecdote before we head into the next next part of the show. I drew. I had totally forgotten this until earlier today when my parents had reminded me. But when I was a kid, I cr- took my hand at drawing some some graphic novels. Um, I do not have the manuscripts. Um, it was about a, a, a superhero duo called Movie Man and Bookworm. They look suspiciously like Batman and Robin. <laughs> but but the movie man was made out of VHS tapes and he had horns that were blockbuster uh, VHS rental tapes. And <laughs> and he would throw movie reel canisters at, at villains. And then Bookworm just was a, was a copy. Of, he was a ripoff of Robin. He just had a B <laughs> instead of an R. But other than that, he looked exactly the same. So I would say to those listening, definitely cultivate that because you never know where that could take you. Um and I think it's fantastic. So I, I love that. I just had to share it because I thought it was too funny not to share. Wish I had been able to find the manuscripts to show because it was, I, from my head, they were brilliant. But I know they've got to be like, you know, the musings of a six-year-old. Who knows? You um, never know. There <laughs> might be some golden nuggets in there. It sounds, it sounds really amazing. Some golden VHS tapes. No. Um, so... <laughs> As we're going to the next part of the show, it is called Things to Check Out. So it is a part where I will provide who I'm reading and who I'm listening to as recommendations for the listeners to check out. And I ask my guests to do the same. So I will go first. Uh, who I'm reading, uh, she was a guest on the last podcast, Rajani LaRocca. She wrote a brilliant book called Much Ado About Baseball. So it's a fantastic uh coming-of-age young adult novel where these kids uh, play baseball and also magical things happen in the town. It's representative of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing, so it's fantastic. Check it out. And then what am I listening to? I'm actually listening to uh, last former guest, Rajni LaRocca's podcast, STEM Women and Kid Lit. So if you want more recommendations about specific STEM literature, kids' literature, and different authors, go check that out. And then also I'm listening to uh, good friend Brad Thompson just released a new music album called A Moment. You should definitely go check that out. So those are my recommendations. Uh, Megan, we'll start with you. Who are you reading and who are you listening to? So I've been reading a lot of scholastic graphic novels because we've been doing all these virtual events um, with other scholastic authors. So that's been really fun. Um, We did one with the latest um, Babysitters Club. Oh, nice. um, Artist and author Gabriella Epstein. And that, um, that was a lot of fun. And... I won't be able to remember them all off the top of my head, but another one we did was uh, Twins with um, by Varian Johnson and Shannon Wright. And that's another book I 
Um, I really loved and both those I think if you if you like allergic or if you like those um, realistic fiction graphic novels like Raina Telgemeier's books then you'll really like those and then listening um, I've been listening to this podcast called writing excuses I don't <laughs> listen to a ton of um, <laughs> podcasts because I'm like really overwhelmed by the amount of episodes they have. So I'm like, but I have to start at the beginning and listen to the thousand I episodes. <laughs> it's just like this thorough mindset. So it's hard for me to get going with one. But then once, you know, once I do, I can be pretty hooked. But this one is really cool because it's like 15 minutes long, but it's um, like a lot of practical writing advice. Um uh, yeah, so that's been fun. Perfect. And Michelle, who are you reading and who are you listening to? So currently I'm reading um, Minor Feelings. I had to look up the author's name. Um, I feel so bad, but uh, Kathy Park Hong is the author, uh, Minor Feelings. It's uh, definitely an older adult read, um, just about the Asian experience and the Asian American experience specifically. Uh, but for graphic novels, uh, the two that Megan suggested, amazing, cannot recommend them enough. Um, I've also been reading The Adventure Zone, uh, which is a D&D based uh, graphic novel. Well, it was podcast and now it's- I was like, novel. I recognize the name. Yeah, yeah, that's where. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and so like I'm, I'm diving back into the podcast episodes now. And so that's been really fun. I find listening to other people's adventures while I'm working can help. But a lot of times I just listen to nothing while I work. <laughs> I hear that. That's fantastic. All right. So now we're going into the final part of the show. It's the dad joke of the week. It's a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans. But I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guest. So it works out. But I do like to put my guest on the spot. Michelle, Megan, do either of you have any jokes you would like to offer up first? Oh, oh my God. I have so many dad jokes, but now I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Megan, do you have any jokes? Oh, yeah, not at the top of my head. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. So I picked some animal-themed uh, jokes. I felt like it would pair well. Um, so here we go. Uh, first of all, what do you call a pig that does karate? Oh, <laughs> I think I know. Guess? What is it, Michelle? <laughs> is it a pork chop? It is a pork chop. There it is. <laughs> it's so good. It's really I'm just all like, right. I give up. <laughs> all right. Now, how do you count cows oh i don't know with a cow you later yeah that one's bad cow hey! <laughs> all right last one last one <laughs> what did the duck say when he bought lipstick what did the duck say when he bought lipstick i don't know what did he say put it on my bill <laughs> on my bill all right all right if people want to follow you and see what you're up to megan what's the best way for them to do that so my website is just meganwagnerlloyd.com. And then I'm on Instagram. That's the only social media I really use. And I'm on there pretty regularly um, um, at Megan Wagner Lloyd. Perfect. And Michelle, how about you? Yes. My website is michelleme.com. And uh, the best way to reach me via social media is Instagram. And I'm at buttersketch. It's butterscotch, but instead of scotch, it's sketch. <laughs> I love that. That is super duper fun. Absolutely great. Well, this has been an utter delight. If you're listening to this, you 
should have already bought Allergic. I don't know what you've been doing with the last 45 minutes other than <laughs> buying Allergic and starting to read it because I'm sure it's already uh, at your fingertips. So definitely go do that. Michelle, Megan, thank you both for being gracious with your time. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope to have both of you back on the show someday because this was so much fun for me. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. This was so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. You're welcome. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with Detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.